Hello, everyone. Welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz. Uh, Adam, I was wondering, do you have your uh, Caesar salad uh, candy canes yet, or no? You're going to wait no. till Black Friday or Red Thursday or <laughs> okay. candy cane Tuesday okay. to buy them? I don't know. Wait, wait. You saw the Red Thursday thing too, right? With Cana- the Canadian Tire Flyer, Red Thursday, which yeah. we're just, now we're just making things up. It's. I thought that was when people like marched on stores was Red <laughs> Thursday. I don't know. <laughs> it's the international, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that should be what it is. It's the, yeah. It's, we're gonna try and you know take over the stores and and hold it for the uh, to nationalize Walmart. And, I think yeah. you're onto something there. <laughs> spread the word. <laughs> well, well, nobody's there. Just take it over. Yeah. Well, in the United States anyway, harder to do in Canada, but that's another story. Uh, Open Source is a CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be the new Ward 2 City Councilor Carly Klassen, who will talk to us about a very significant first City Council meeting this week and the great root cellar comeback. Uh, stay tuned for more information about that. Um, that's going to be in the bottom half of the show. Before that, we're going to talk about a few news items from the last week, including soccer. You may be enjoying the games, but are you enjoying the controversy? We will talk about the tangled web of politics around the World Cup. But first, it's back to the Emergencies Act inquiry. This is technically the last week for uh, testimony, although uh, they have saved uh, perhaps depending on your political taste, the best for last with uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau testifying on Friday. Uh, That might be a bit longer than they have scheduled, although they have been picking off uh, cabinet ministers pretty quickly this this week. Uh, They had Bill Blair on Monday. They had Marco Mendicino on Tuesday. And I think some of today, if I remember correctly, but we've also had Dominic LeBlanc, uh, David Lametti, Anita Anad, MLR Gabra, and uh, coming up is uh, Christina Freeland, some PMO staffers, and as I said on Friday, it's uh, JT time. So, uh, Scotty, what have you taken away from the latest from the Emergencies Act? Inquiry. It's almost like a batting batting roster, isn't it? It's like who's I up know. next? It's yeah, finishing off with the the home run king of batting. <laughs> He's going to point to the back of the room and then yeah, sit down and okay. testify. I'm going to hit out of the park. Well, I'll tell you, uh, and I've said this before, if Justin Trudeau makes that squinty face, you'll know he's not happy. So watch, <laughs> watch for that. Well, I guess let's run through the roster then because, oh, well, first, I guess we'll start with the the head of CSIS, mm-hmm. uh, who's, that was Monday, I guess. David Vicknell, uh, yeah. And it's been bounced around. It's like, who, who actually said invoke the act, but it says... Or evoke the act, I suppose. Um, but the it's it, it's hard to pinpoint because it's everybody's opinions were different, mm-hmm. uh, and I think there are certain parties out there looking for some kind of gotcha moment. Let's just say those that are sympathetic to the convoy want to say, "It was you, it was you, you did it, you were the one." At least that's that's the traffic <laughs> that's coming out of this. But let's put that aside for a second because I think it's going to make a comeback before. Yeah, we've been talking about this. Yeah, so head of ceases is like, yeah, I probably should uh, do this. It's it's not 
may be completely necessary, but, you know, the way things are going. I think the turning point, let's jump ahead a little bit, was Mendicino's uh, testimony on Tuesday, I guess it was. Because mm-hmm. that, I think, is when it became clear that there was a problem. And it wasn't even anything to do with Ottawa. It was the uh, blockade at Coots Crossing in, in Alberta. Yeah. When they found the cache of weapons and... I think there was explosives there as well. There's yeah, that yeah. picture like that. Here's what the cops found. So we've arrested 11 people. So that to me, and obviously to the government, Mendicino, et cetera, were like, mm, you know, we probably should do this. And I think even just on the strength of that alone, mm-hmm. the majority of Canadians probably wouldn't fault them on that. Mm-hmm. If that, if that was your, your moment, these are of, of truth. He said, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. But of course, there's, there's the lead up and all of the other discussions that were going on, like Lametti. And that was very, I don't know if you saw any of that, Adam, very interesting testimony from him because not only is he uh, attorney general, he is the top lawyer in the country. He's a law professor. So this is like a, the, one of the top dogs, if not the top dog lawyer uh, in Canada right now, mm-hmm. uh, being, well, it's not even cross-examined, just being, yeah, it's Examined. not really cross examination. It's 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 different with it with a an inquiry. Asking yeah. questions of him was the convoy lawyer, and he was schooling him. Right? It's like <laughs> he was just like, well, you know, this is covered by privilege, and you know this. My what do you call him? My esteemed colleague or my learned mm-hmm. friend or something. He's like, it sounded a bit sarcastic, but you know, this is how lawyers speak. It's and he's it's saying, the way yeah, uh, it's the way lawyers talk. It's like, well, I I agree uh, with my yeah. my friend from representing. You know, it's I I noticed that at the labor board meeting with the the teachers hmm. thing. It's a lot of a lot of my friend thrown around. I guess that's just so everyone's biting their tongue and not gulling, you know, the yeah. <laughs> the opposing it's counsel a, an a hole or something. A certain level of decorum. Yeah, but I guess yeah. the convoy lawyer was trying to do this workaround. Say, well, in your personal opinion, he's like, well, I can't give you my personal opinion because it's reflective of of this. Um, I guess it's attorney client privilege. Client, yeah, uh, solicitor client privilege in Canada. But yeah. at least having said that, at least he went. Yeah. Because as we know, a couple of reps from Ontario couldn't be bothered to go. Yeah. Playing the privilege card. So here is Lametti using the privilege card, as is he is able to do, and rightly so. Um, he's he's able to sit down and talk, but yet somehow. This uh, Queens Park gang uh, can't be bothered to go. Yeah, and there was some spicy stuff this week uh, in the Mentichino testimony, um, where you know they're trying to figure out where the Ontario government is, and you know getting support for um, ending the convoy. And Sylvia Jones like snaps back. It's like, well, I I guess it's I guess it was the Mentichino's chief of staff. Like, I don't work for you or your boss. Or and she threw in an F word in there too for good measure. Um, it's, you know, it, it really is something that we're getting this whole proceeding and, uh, much of, so much of this, the action coots is the exception. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so much of this was Ontario based and we're not getting the point of view from the Ontario premier and, 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 uh, the solicitor general at the time, especially. And again, it, it was so weird because earlier in this, like they were getting thrown under the bus every day almost um i think there was i can't remember who made it but commentary this week about how like doug ford was hiding and um it's it just it strikes me that it's weird that they kind of don't want to set the record straight because so much of this and again we see that this week with um the the big no testimony it's like this emergencies act you know (laughs) everybody was interested in talking about the idea but nobody kind of wants to take credit for you know 
for making that final pitch. Um, you know, Vigno comes out and he says, well, uh, you know, according to CSIS definitions of, of what is like a, a terrorist threat, you know, or, or, you know, it wasn't there, but I, I thought maybe the emergencies act had kind of a broader definition. And then it's like in the emergencies act, it says use the CSIS act definition for, for like <laughs> what, what circumstances um, to, to use the act. So it's just, you know, here it's another, ex- it's poor metaphor, but you know, um, failures and orphan successes uh you know has a thousand parents failure is a an orphan mm. and it, it's a bit like that you know um everyone wanted uh the government to pull the trigger on the emergencies act and then when they did it nope apparently it was just it was just a suggestion you know we were just spitballing you know it's there was no bad ideas uh and you know somebody just threw out the emergencies act and some of us loved it and some of us had doubts but we didn't know they were actually going to do it and you know that's going to be the real question at the end of the day can the inquiry which has to produce a report by february hmm. by the way um if they can you know p- put put a pin in this like c- go from like cuz that was an interesting thing about Lametti's testimony it was like how early were they talking about the emergencies act and apparently they were talking about it pretty early on it's like well we got to get our ducks in a row because if we're going to use this thing we have to outline the justifications there's you know certain mechanisms uh that that you know determine whether or not we use this thing or not so yeah we talked about it early the real question is how did it get from chit chat at the end of january to beginning of february to like pulling the trigger by the end of the month that's going to be the big thing that the commissioners have to sort out yeah make sure anita has a tank standing by too that was pretty funny ooh, ooh. I mean, I, you you can't not see that as a joke I'm, i mean i'm sure rebel or somebody would be like oh see they want to send the tanks after them it's like oh because uh, is already uh on a warpath about it is he yeah <laughs> oh boy <laughs> and this is the problem by trying to get nuance from text or email like it's it's yeah, just yeah. there right but anyway going back to lametti uh, saying that slowly was in uh, the former ch- uh, chief of police of Ottawa was incompetent, and you can't really backpedal on that one because it, there's there's truth to it. But it's you know I don't think the uh, it can solely rest on him. But it, it's kind of proving here what was going on is it was impossible to force law. Now I think a lot of mm. what was going on in Ottawa was was on the you know in the face of it was bylaw violations, right? If you don't know that somebody's packing weapons in their truck or whatever they're there with their camper, it's really just it's noise. It's you're blocking the street. A lot of it could have been enforced on a, on a lower level, but auto police not doing anything. Um, zero from Ontario, as you said, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, it's not us. And the RCMP, you know, well, it's not really us. So there's not only is there a lack of collaboration, but I think. There was a lack. There was a lack of bringing the hammer down, bringing the state down, and I'm going to say this on white people. Mm-hmm. And there was one of the texts from Lametti. I think it was from him or whoever was texting alluded to that. It mm-hmm. said, "What it honestly?" It said right on the screen, "What if they were black or indigenous?" They didn't actually talk about that on the news, but I spotted it right away in the text. I'm like, you know what? There is a lot of truth to that, right? And a lot of people because this is the electorate, right? It's like, and, yeah. and I think. This is why Ford is taking a massive step back among some of the others. But then you've got, what do you see that today? Tyler Shandro chiming in from Alberta. It's like, Brenda, look, he's got to go. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, <laughs> well, I saw what somebody- does this even have to do with you? I mean, I know Coots is in, in Alberta, but 
you know that well, that was serious. The border, clo- the closing of the borders was a hell of a lot worse, I think, than and I know it was bad for the people in Ottawa with all the noise and everything that was going on, right? But the border cr- border closures with serious weapons cache equals, yeah, you know what? Emergencies Act isn't, you know, not really a surprise, right? And I mean that's that that's the real one of the interesting parts of this is like is did did that one kind of feed into the concerns of the other that if you have like uh, people with weapons at the scene of one protest might there be is is it appropriate to think that there might be weapons at the scene of another i'm not sure i can disagree with that you know uh, threat analysis isn't an exact science and maybe sometimes you just got to take certain things for granted the shando thing is interesting because i think he's following the lead of brian Lilly, who wrote an op-ed uh, that essentially said lucky's only in business to cover for trudeau she's only good enough to cover for trudeau and that was supposed to be incendiary because it's such a surprise brian Lilly is anti-trudeau but um yeah, the, the thing with um, it was lawlessness. You're right. You know, you and you could see it on TV, and I think we all saw it on TV. Like when they were carrying jerry cans up and down Wellington Street, and it's like, you know what? Um, you probably wouldn't be able to do that any other time. Like if you if police saw you walking up the street with a jerry can with a couple of jerry cans or a wagon full of jerry cans filled with gasoline, somebody would probably say something to you. But yeah, when there's like fireworks going on and you know people in the street all night and setting up stages and setting up hot tubs and things, I mean the lawlessness is like I mean it's not like weapons uh charge major yeah. but i mean it's that, that that's kind of been a recurrent thing in this testimony it's just we couldn't even do the little things like ticket you for have a hot for having a hot tub in the middle of the street <laughs> which is definitely sounds like a ticketable offense uh to, to get to the poor old brendan miller he didn't have a good week got tossed uh he's one of the yeah the the attorneys representing the convoy in this got tossed from the inquiry on tuesday uh on Wednesday, tried to uh, have several motions uh, to get the inquiry to look at whether or not um, some of the people uh, who had Confederate or Nazi regalia at the convoy to see if they were plants. Uh, he thinks they're plants and thinks the public uh, inquiry should be investigating that. Uh, he was turned down. I think we can all agree that was seems uh, a fair proposition because, you know, I, we all remember seeing that junk and uh it's not exactly like anyone in the convoy was in a rush to uh, to tackle those people or to get them to put the Nazi flag away. It, uh, the the call was coming from inside the house, as it were. Well, and that's probably not even the worst of it. Some of the early speeches which have resurfaced mm-hmm. is people saying blatantly anti-Semitic things among all the other garbage that was coming out of their mouths, mm-hmm. which is an offense, right? It's not it's not treason. But mm-hmm. it's 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 up there. Like it was everything that was happening snowballed into this, the, the mess that happened in Ottawa. And the, and the more that they, the longer that they were allowed to persist, then the the worse it got in terms of how out of control it was. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the borders, but they, they I mean, they they managed to handle the border uh, closures quite well. And I think most were both of them resolved before the Emergencies Act was evoked. I think so. Right before, yeah, yeah. So it was like everything just kind of happened on a dime there, and Valentine's because, because Day, there, right? there was like, yeah, there was like a week that was leading up to the the passage of the emergency. Like they announced that they were going to do it, then there were a series of emergency debates, and then it happened. And by the time it happened, um, pretty much everything was over except for the getting people out of downtown Ottawa. So, 
Um, I mean, even the threat of it going through Parliament seemed to seem to break a logjam. And again, I mean, it, it's it's going to be tough to determine um, the the exact chain of events, at least inside the Parliament, that led to someone is saying like, "There's really no other option." But we'll have to leave that there and go to Qatar, where uh, Canada lost in its first match, one to nothing against Belgium uh of all cockamamie places uh but that's the sports stuff the real thing is the politics that's what's getting people paying attention to the world cup and that's uh from just a whole litany of things from the inability to buy beer at stadiums uh even though that was promised it by by the host country even though they practice uh sharia law it's you know no alcohol anywhere uh people wearing rainbow t-shirts and rainbow bucket hats not being able to enter the stadium unless you know without half an hour of argument with the security people uh but perhaps uh, most uh, interesting is uh, some of these protests that have uh, bubbled up on the field. The One Love armbands that were worn by many European countries, although threatened with a yellow card if they persisted and they folded like cheap laundry. And then uh, the Iranian team coming out to support dissidents back in Iran. Um, um, unless they win the World Cup, that's probably not going to be a great homecoming for the Iranian team, I'm afraid. No, and they'll still insist that the World Cup isn't a political thing, much the same yeah. as they do with the Olympics every single time. That's what Macron said. Oh, was it? Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're not normally on the same wavelength, but... <laughs> I will say, though, Belgium are ranked second in the world, whereas Canada is further down. So I was root... I have to admit, I did watch some of the game today, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even with all of... Everything that's going on, I know lots of people say, well, I'd never watch that. It's like, when, I don't think there's anything I could personally do to stop the, the wheels of this. I grew up in a football household, so it's like, and, I wouldn't say it's my obligation to watch it, but it's kind of like, if it's on, I'm going to watch it because they go for the underdog. And Canada are definitely underdogs in this. But yeah, that's we're, we're getting the sports commentary at this point. But <laughs> the whole thing starts with, and we talked about this when it was happening, thousands yeah, yeah. of dead workers mm-hmm. you go back in time to i don't know let's say the hoover dam a hundred workers die possibly more and that's considered a success story and people will go and visit it and you still go and visit the hoover dam mm-hmm. this is thousands and thousands they don't even they they're not even exactly sure how many migrant workers died in the making of these stadia and building the entire place mm-hmm. so to me corpses stacked high it should be pretty high on the roster. You don't really hear about. You don't really hear about it now because it's on. It's like, oh, we're all we're all caught up in the game, and everybody has their um, bone to pick with guitar from the from the lack of beer to whatever. But when you have these events, that's uh, essentially a circus. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before when the Olympics come to town. You think about the previous World Cup was in Russia. Mm-hmm. Why was Russia picked? Because it's you know they, they've got an image problem, and some of the issues that have come up with this one in terms of the rights of LGBT people, uh, rights of workers, you name it, were brought up when the World Cup was held in Russia. Mm-hmm. So we get we get this chain of events over and over. Plus, FIFA was and still is to some degree a scandal plagued organization, right? Mm-hmm. When you, when you've got the um, the new head, I was going to call him Innocenti, but it's Infanto, 
which mm-hmm. means child. Uh, <laughs> and the new head of FIFA, and his little speech about I'm you know I'm gay, I'm a migrant worker. Now his family were indeed migrant workers, mm-hmm. but that doesn't you know they went from Italy to Switzerland though. It, yeah, Italy to Switzerland. So it's like the, the Italians were migrant workers for years, but now you know it, now it's people from somewhere else. It's just an endless supply, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, where, where was it going to go with it? Yeah. So I mean, this this guy, put it this way: I don't trust anybody that appears in the Panama Papers. <laughs> and I, I think we talked about the last World Cup too. But Set Blatter, and it, it was that uh, when the uh, World Cup was awarded to North Korea, and that comedian came and showered him with money. Mm-hmm. That is so accurate because that is what's going on. There was a massive inquiry about it, <laughs> very different from the one that happened in Ottawa because nothing came or is happening in Ottawa because it wasn't a legal thing. It was just like, well, we'll look into it, and they look into it. And it's like, okay, everything's fine, but it's not fine though. Yeah. You award this thing to to questionable countries, dictatorial countries, um, and you can have all the rainbow armbands in the world. God love you, whatever. But it's you're you're still there, right? You're still there. Where where do you draw the line on this thing? Where it's like, well, we're just going to accept it, and when you do accept it, you're accepting corporate control of everything and you know the dictatorial powers of these nations to do whatever the hell they want. It's never going to change there. Well, that's what sealed the deal, right? It's like that Al Jazeera, which is uh, out of Qatar, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to um, host the the broadcast of of the World Cup, and and you know that's you're you're right. That seems to be what it's been. It's all these uh, deals and uh, sponsorships and things, and it's all based on this, I think, passe theory that you know you take a country that you know, has bad rules or treats its people badly, give them a little taste of the soft power with hosting the World Cup or the Olympics, and they'll see that, you know, freedom is pretty awesome. And, you know, when you have people who think differently from all over the world and everything's peaceful and cool and, um, you know, they'll change. And it's just like, I, you know, didn't we try that with Russia? I mean, it's pretty much still the Soviet Union and except in the name it's um you know this this soft power <laughs> neoliberal um you know world diplomacy initiative doesn't seem to be working they certainly didn't learn any lessons um from from all the lead up to this um also the lead up to russia too cuz that was 2018 like that was after crimea and um you know it's c- clearly russia learned that soft power is awesome look at look at russia now <laughs> but yeah mm-hmm. the whole that that infinito uh infantino uh speech i had such trump flashbacks watching that it's just you know it, he, yeah. it was everything but the voice he's like you know I, uh no one is more mistreated than fifa nobody you know we, we're, we're trying to help people out we're just trying to have a nice soccer camp here but i it, you know all this woke and all i mean it was borderline trump it was terrible uh but um, all of this stuff was also predictable. I mean, they, we've been watching this stuff. People who like news crews and and you know uh, labor groups who go who went to Qatar to investigate all that stuff you're talking about, like laborers being, you know, having their work papers taken so they can't go anywhere, being paid or uh, not being paid, as the case may be. Like local Qatari laborers getting like cushy gigs while uh, people from nepal are, are given all the backbreaking 
labor in the hot Qatari sun for 48 hours a week. It's um, there are a lot of, I think, still unanswered questions about just, you know, how much dodginess there was in in building this and what slays me still is that it's all coming here for 2026 and there's all this uh question about like ooh, is ontario gonna kick in funds for like building soccer the soccer stadium in toronto and it's like god i hope like i i hope not like we're really gonna give money to these lunatics these corrupt people you know um we're really gonna have an, like hey come to think of it have we ever heard about you know the the financing for the Vancouver Olympics that all paid off. Um, all that new housing for people in Vancouver did that pay off? No, of course it didn't. So then or the gonna... Pan, the Pan Am Games, yeah. the Olympics, yeah. All of these things are structurally the same. It's to please corporate people, yeah, and to and to those that that make the agreements and the arrangements, the handshakes behind the scenes that we don't see. So if that starts to happen, then of course Doug Ford will chime in and say it's the greatest thing that's ever happening. But he will only do it if there's an advantage to moneyed people. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'd extend this to anyone: Google any, uh, uh, just Google abandoned stadiums, and you'll see. Like there's <laughs> even infrastructure left over from the 1936 Munich Olympics. Right? It's just mm. this overgrown stuff. So we're, we're going way back in time, the Nazi Olympics. <laughs> Which again was supposed to be a you know soft oh, power, soft let's, power. Let's showcase Germany and how great it is. Look how well that went. But you know it's it's the same. In when the Olympics were in, or sorry, when the, oh, the World Cup was in Brazil, mm-hmm. they built they built a stadium in in the Amazon, like mm-hmm. in the in the Amazon. You had to travel thousands of miles from from a city. To, to get to the stadium that they plunked in the middle of the Amazon just to have, just to say, well, we've done some economic development there and some jobs were created, blah, blah, the usual. And it looks like something, it looks like it's out of Logan's run. It looks like it's <laughs> out of the road. Like it's, it's useless. It is a useless thing. And I don't know if that's, what's going to happen in Qatar. Are they going to like try and have friendly tournaments there or something, but you know, there'll, there'll be a time where they'll, they'll just nuke the stadium and do whatever with it. But it's meaningless. Yeah. It will end up meaningless. You know, yeah. whoever's country won will remember that they won the cup, but it doesn't matter. And I'm saying this is somebody that likes football. Really, I mean, it's it's difficult. But you know, I, I'd I'd rather watch like pickup league than, uh, you know. I like watching my niece play football. Um, but that's only that, because yeah. of the, <laughs> the. Is it still Timbits? Is she a Timbit? Uh, no, she's, she's not like, old enough for Timbit yet. She's because she's five so um but i'm not watching yeah. tim hortons either but you know to see the tim bits go at it you know that's okay i think she graduates the tim bit now so uh but yeah no like now I, a cooler or a or a an eclair i don't know <laughs> the eclair leagues yeah. like cubs <laughs> you move up <laughs> um we're gonna uh take a quick break and then come back with uh some local stuff we're gonna talk to ward two city councilor carly classen you are listening to open sources guelph you're on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca guelph campus and community radio
And that was number four on the current CFRU chart. The band is called Bicycle Face. The album is called Bicycle Space. And that was actually two songs. First was called Interlude. And the second was called Outerlude. And I almost said Inner Tube because the band is Bicycle Face. But <laughs> won't be any bikes out for a while except maybe those fat, tired ones. But uh, I do like those bikes. Mm-hmm. It's they're they're interesting. Um, yeah, that's that's my commentary on this entire situation. If only they'd plow the bike lanes. But anyway, oh, don't get me started. Because, for another day, that's for one yeah. of our counselors to take care of. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no, right. Uh, didn't get a chance to talk about plowing out bike lanes with Carly. Uh, Carly Classen. There was just so much going on at council this week. Big meeting uh, about Bill Twenty Three and its implications a little bit scary just how much uh the province is changing at one time in an omnibus bill and uh i addressed a lot of that with carly and we also talked about her pretty hand handy victory in a very busy ward two field last month and the comeback of the root seller uh you may have seen this all over social media that root sellers everyone's getting back into them uh, literally and figuratively. I'm going to talk about all of that. So here's uh, War Two Councillor Carly Classen starting right now. Okay, Carly Classen, thank you so much for hopping on with us today. Thanks for having me, Adam. Uh, first, uh, we're going to talk a bit about what happened at Council this week, and then we'll get into some more general stuff. So just uh, in terms of this week's meeting and tackling Bill 23 and, and all its implications, uh, are you worried? And I did hear another Ward 2 uh, council candidate say this. Um, <laughs> are you worried that this is not the job you signed up for, that uh, the province has changed the game before it's even like begun to be played? Yeah, I certainly think that I I didn't realize that I was signing up for, for this level of change. And to be fair, I don't think anybody did. Um, it's, it feels a bit like a trial by fire. I think one of my other colleagues said something like that and yeah, it's, it's concerning. It's frustrating. It's, it's hard to like jump into a new role in any, in any job, but then to also have the rules of engagement change sort of under your feet, but also have such, um, opposition to it and and not just at the local level here in Guelph, but beyond and into other municipalities where, there's a lot of people sort of you know, still unclear about what these changes are going to mean for our work. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's again, and, you know, I'm still learning what our work is. So um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's challenging. And I think not only is it challenging for us, but it's, it's challenging for us to communicate with our residents. And um, we don't actually know necessarily what all the implications of the changes will, will mean yet. Um, but as as we kind of we voted yesterday i mean we are as it stands we aren't supporting the legislation as a council um i think that there needs to be some major changes to how it's currently written for it to um serve its serve what it's attempting to um to do right uh i did note that for people who maybe weren't following along the uh the recommendation was changed to um, from a kind of friendly, hey, can we have some more time to engage with you to uh, no, we don't like this at all, which um, passed unanimously. And maybe it's because of the new 
new the, the new council composition too but uh there it was a bit surprising to me as a as an observer the unanimity as we were discussing beforehand um because usually there's at least one or two people who are like oh i don't know are we being a bit too harsh with our language that was um interesting yeah and and you know you have you know i've watched a lot of city council meetings and and you're right there's always a couple of people who are holding back but i mean you know i learned a new word this week which was omnibus um <laughs> And when you have a bill that has so many different elements that change so many different, the work of just so many different departments, um, it's, it's overwhelming. Like you all of a sudden, I think that this is what we were hearing from staff as well. And when we were reading the reports, it came through loudly. And from every department, there was not a shred of like, oh, this is, this will be good. Um, there was so much um, from not just staff, but from residents, people coming forward and saying, hey, this is really concerning for a number of reasons. And uh, there wasn't there wasn't one area where we were, we were, or I think somebody actually mentioned something like shifting the Ontario building code to um, reflect more closely the Canadian building code. That was the only kind of thing that people were like, oh yeah, no, that would probably be, that would be good. I think that was like the one little piece that I wrote down and I was like, oh, asterisks, like this, this is a good, a good piece. Um, but no, there was, there's there's a lot of concern. And so I think, you know, as it reflects on council when, you know, all of the people who are informing how we are making decisions are coming to us and, and expressing their concerns. Um, and it's a wide range of concerns from how people do their jobs every day. Um, how much, you know, for example, if we need to increase how quickly we approve per building permits, well, we need more staff and that's going to cost more money. And who is the money coming from? It's coming from the taxpayer. If we strip away um, Greenbelt lands, who who is going to suffer long term? You know, if if we it's it's going to be us. And um, I think everybody kind of came together and and. And also realize, and it was interesting to see as well. Um, we had a, a local developer from Fusion Homes. He he joined us, and I think what what he added was really important because it's not clear how exactly it's going to speed up development, especially when the major concerns for developers right now are around labor shortages and supply chain issues. Um, you know, the 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 bill certainly addresses different parts of how city staff do their jobs. Um, mm. but it doesn't actually address how to uh, speed up development from the private sector perspective. And, you know, again, that's not really something that it had was was really addressed and um yeah i think that there's so many parts of it that that have that need to be worked on and another concerning element is just the fact that that not everybody was invited to the table so amo mm. uh the association of, of municipalities of ontario uh were not allowed to um join the committee that was reviewing the bill and not having their voice at the table sends a pretty clear sign that they're not welcome at the table. And so when you're excluding people from, from the conversation, in my mind, you're also excluding from people from the democratic process. And I think that's where we need to focus our attention is on the fact that 
you know, a lot of this legislation is taking away people's fundamental rights and and it needs to be talked about. Um, we talked about it a little bit with the use of the notwithstanding clause and taking away um, people's ability to protest. And that's one of our fundamental rights and freedoms. And in my mind, there was no reason to use that clause because it's not like there was a crisis on hand. It wasn't that schools were closed for an extended period of time or that protesters were violent. It was, it was a clear premeditated move by the government to to stifle their voices. And I think that we're kind of seeing some of that same um, strategy applied here with um, with Bill 23 and Bill 109. And it's so it's really important that people people keep talking and that they don't let this sort of slip through without um, consideration because the only reason we're going to, well, the only way we'll get people to listen is if everybody starts to raise their voice. Um, because really at the end of the day, they do reflect us and the Ontario government probably would like to get reelected again. The conservatives would like to get reelected. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm listening to all that. And it, it sort of reflected your, your comments in the meeting. Um, I mean, because a lot of this is about changing to planning rules and, you know, building code and heritage acts and things like that. But there is a fundamental question of, you know, the the impact on democracy. And I, I appreciate that staff is trying to, you know, their role is to kind of stay on top of the rules. But it is also probably more in the realm of council to be looking at the bigger picture, which is like, what is the impact on public engagement? And um inviting the public to have a, a voice when when changes are made. Certainly. Yes. And um yeah, I think we we've we've encouraged, like in from War Two's perspective anyways, um some but Rodrigo and I definitely both shared how people could get involved and and how they could find out more information and participate in the meetings because really I think that I, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong here, but something that I learned during during the campaigning process was that not, not pe people don't necessarily see themselves reflected in government all of the time, but government is truly a reflection of us. So by not participating and by being quiet, you're also sending a different type of message, which is do whatever you want. Like I'm not engaged. Mm -hmm. um, and when when that happens over a long period of time is when you start to get like sort of, you know, more totalitarian type legislation that that comes through. Um, and and so, yeah, I mean, we we all have to we all have our part to play. Um, voting is just that first step. Right. And now we all have to kind of bring our, our voices to this, because I think fundamentally and, and I hope that this is what it comes down to, honestly, is that we need to work together as a community and not just a small community at the municipal level, but at the provincial level and at the federal level as a country to build more housing and to also ensure that because the supply also influences the demand, right? So it's, mm. it's, it, it is something that it, it can't just be one. It can't just be fully downloaded onto the municipalities. It can't just be the province writing the legislation. It, like we all need to be part of this conversation and, um, because there, you know, like, again, if you want to zoom all the way out, the, the, like the federal government has announced that they want to bring in, I can't remember the number, but 
quite a lot of immigrants to our country in the next 20 years. And so if we don't have housing for the people who already live here, as we welcome new people to this country, it's going to get worse. So I think that, you know, I think my pragmatic self is going to say this is going to be a conversation starter to make sure that, you know, coming out of the pandemic, we're building more homes um, and that we're looking at creative ways to build infill and to build, you know, different densities within within city limits. And it, if really that's the conversation that we need to have, like, I, I really think that's the heart of it. The legislation, I, I feel like, is maybe a bit too much. Um, I think there's a smart way to build. And I think that they're looking at different and innovative ways so that we're not just sprawling into the green belt. Like we have land. Mm. We have there is available land here. Um I, I think that that's really again, <laughs> I'm going back to my thing. I think we gotta talk, we gotta keep keep talking about it. Um, but we can't keep talking about we can't have constructive conversations if all of our time is being taken up by reviewing really intense legislation and trying to figure out how that's going to impact all of our jobs. We need to be able to focus on the task at hand. Um, Well, let me ask you this then. Uh, This is something I picked up at the meeting and I sometimes get obsessed with these like little details that are just like sort of spit out in the course of a meeting. But I I think this is key. Um, I think it was um, Crystal Walke who mentioned that there was somebody who had filed an application a uh, planning application withdrew it after this legislation was introduced um perhaps in the idea that they're going to have an easier time once the legislation is passed and of course that doesn't help the getting more units active if people are holding back waiting for changes that may take months to to enact so is is that concerning for you that maybe some developers in our area are playing that long game yeah, it is. It is. It is concerning. Um, I We have, and I think that this was discussed in the meeting as well, Guelph is an attractive place to live because of the services and the type of city that it is. It's a very livable city. There's lots of green spaces. There could, should be more of a tree canopy and we're working towards that. But we have these goals that have been set, like having an extended canopy, if we don't, if we're not building those into our new developments, then we're actually operating at a deficit. And I think that it's developers make money, like mm. they make money, like they do. And you, they might just build homes, but they're also like people have to live in those homes. So if you're just building, you know, the building and then not giving a crap about the the landscaping around it. I mean, are you building, are you building, are you building like homes or, or are you building something else? And I think that hopefully that, that example is concerning, but I hope that developers will still come to the table with, with plans, with site plans that are well developed, that reflect the community and that reflect a place like that they understand Guelph and why people want to live here. Let's talk about um, winning an election then. Um, oh, sure. You you, you won uh, with two, about 2000 more votes than your nearest competitor. So you win like you, you won like pretty handily. So I guess, you know, War 2 has put a lot of confidence in you. And I guess, uh, to what do you con- uh, attribute that? Where does the the faith and credit of, of War 2 come, f- come from in terms of endorsing you as a new city councillor? 
Yeah. Um, this it's funny. Yeah, I've talked had a couple conversations like this after the election. So I think going into it, I I already have a background like in I've I've been on a few boards and I've worked with people in the community. And through my work also as a small business owner downtown, I've 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 got to know a lot of people and I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different people um, to accomplish different things. So sometimes it's about, you know, trying to build a new library and sometimes it's about, you know, trying to sell more soaps or <laughs> things like that. So I've I've been connected to a lot of people in different capacities. And I think that being like uh, like an actual participating member of the community in so many different ways probably put me on a lot of different people's radar, first of all. Um, and then second of all, like I, I, I think um, I got to the door a lot. I, I talked to a lot of people and I spent a lot of the time listening to people and think that this is a big, this is really important is that I think in any part of your life, it doesn't matter if it's an election or if it's something else, you need to show up and you you need to listen. Like you can't you can't go in and start telling people how how bad things are and how you're going to make everything better. There's already so many people doing such great work around around us and I just am part of that that ecosystem and I I know my my role in things and 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 I'm I feel really lucky that during the the campaigning process I met so many people and and I think one of my very first conversations, it was like a street over from where I live. I, I knocked on a woman's door and the woman was like, I know your aunt and I'm a former teacher and I know your uncle because you used to, he, I used to teach with him. And also here's all the stuff that I'm doing. I'm doing a, like a, a clothing drive for Onward Willow where um, I'm, I'm trying to put together this like group, a new group of people to come to a hundred women who give. And this is, this is how I help. And maybe you can help me do with some of these things too. And that was like the, one of the first conversations I had. And I was like, this is this community. Like, this is like, you know, there's like many people doing good things and, and I just need to, I just need to help to be part of like connect people and talk to people and, and also just make sure that people are being heard. Like I'm not like an expert in anything. And I think that I've been very clear about that. Like I didn't come into this election being like, Oh, I, I will clean up the down, like downtown. That's, that wasn't it. I know that there's a lot of people doing tons of work back behind the scenes, trying to like, we live in a complex society and we have to all work together to be able to accomplish work. And if, if, and if anything I've learned is that you need, you need a leader who is also willing to be a team player and who will show up and do the work because, um, we are, we live here, you know, like, and, and people were very, like, we're very visible. And mm. I, I, I think that what I just did was, was meet people where they were and, and, sh and then share some of my hopes and, and also just to make, you know, I'm not going to be the one doing all of the work. It's, it's at all, it's going to just be about making sure that when people email me that I answer their questions and, and, and then try to do what I can as honestly and, and openly as possible. 
Um, I, 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 I don't know everything and, but I am willing to try to communicate with people about, about things because I think at the end of the day, we just all want to be heard and we all want to participate in some way. And we all have different understandings of, of how to do that. And, um, and I think that, yeah, we, I think often, and I, and I will just echo, I'll just echo one thing, which is we all, we love Guelph and I echo that back to people is, you know, this is a great place. Now, how how could we make it a little bit better? Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to comment on something because uh, I saw it on your social media and then it kind of blew up and everyone was talking about it. Uh, what's going on with root sellers? Everybody's talking about root sellers now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so Ian Finley, who is a former city councilor, I met him during the campaign. He he, um, I honestly hadn't really been thinking about root sellers for any any important part of my life. But I went uh, to there was the Emerge Eco Market that was happening at Old Quebec Street Mall, and I went in there and I saw Ian, and I was like, "What do you like? Hey, what's up?" And he was like, "Oh, I'm tabling here because I have this this small company called Woodside Root Sellers." And um, I think it came to be through, I think it was a federal grant and there's like, I think it's connected to the circular food economy and a lot of the work that's being done there. And he kind of gave me like a rundown on, on it. And I was just genuinely interested because like I grew up with root sellers my grandparents had one and they had this little room and they stored their wine and like all these little things under there. But like, as I grew up, I never, you know, we didn't use one at home. And, but, but then I moved to a house that has a dug, like it's a, it's like a dirt floor and mm. it's just this like weird little room in my basement. And I was like, I was like, this is so cool. Ian, like maybe one day you can tell me how to fix my root cellar. And then um, he invited me to the grand the grand opening of a root cellar just around the corner from me on Ontario Street, uh, which was built for uh, the Two Rivers neighborhood group. And um, I got to see like, you know, the work they did there. And I think what's really interesting about, about I guess, fruit sellers, that's what my grandmother would call it, okay, mm. fruit seller or root seller, um, is that it kind of connects us back to how people used to store food and have a more sustainable approach to eating. And so people didn't, we didn't get tons of imports from, you know, faraway places for like Costa Rica or Mexico for our fruits and veggies. Like we didn't have that same level of, of um, connection through globalization. So you had to preserve everything. You had to think about, okay, what, how can I eat throughout the winter and not die? Um, <laughs> really, Like it's honestly fundamentally that not go hungry. Um, and so they would preserve all these foods in, in different ways. And what I really liked about it is that I think it connects a, a few really important themes that we're seeing right now, which is um, food security is an issue, right? And food is getting more and more expensive. And especially when we're importing it from different places, that's when we start to have to pay extra uh, tariffs on top of things. But if we are buying food from, you know, the farm, like from farms that are just in Wellington County, and we're able to, during the harvest, 
um, take large quantities of food like tomatoes or fruits and preserve them and then save them in places like root cellars, well, then that also creates a more sustainable food economy for us. Um, and it's interesting how um, our grandparents and, you know, I always say my grandparents because they're the ones who kind of I learned some of these things from um, they 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 had those ways of being um sort of, there was a natural way for them to do things. They would store potatoes in the fruit cellar. They would have beans. They would have all of these little uh, food stores that would over the winter sustain them. And I think if we can, you know, take baby set steps towards, you know, doing more sustainable things and, you know, maybe like having a function root cellar or fruit cellar is a couple years out for me I'm still in the like learning how to preserve foods and um I've done a bit of it we finally like I during the pandemic I will say I preserved tons of stuff and I've only just got through 2020s stash um so <laughs> it works the system yeah. works. Oh yeah, well, that was a bit rambly, but no, no. Um, I could talk about root cellars all day, as everyone knows, but uh, we do have to, <laughs> to wrap up. Uh, so uh, I'm going to ask you to uh, give people your contact, your official city councilor contact information, if they want to reach out to you. Yeah, for sure. You can email me at carly at guelph.ca. That's c a r l y dot k l a s s e n at guelph.ca. You can find me on Twitter. Um, Carly Classen, all one one word, or you can find me on Instagram, Carly M is in Mary, S is in Spring, Classen, um, Carly M S Classen on Instagram. Perfect. Well, Carly, I, I appreciate you uh, giving us some of your time away from the root cellar, and uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on things on City Council and have you on again soon. So thanks okay. for coming on. Thanks, Adam. Okay, and once again, that was our new War Two counselor, Carly Classen. We're going to have uh, another new counselor join us next week, um, assuming they answer my email and assuming they can get access to their new email. Um, yeah, it's uh, a lot of change going on, uh, so we'll <laughs> we'll obviously we'll work through it. Yeah, yeah, we'll work through it. We're getting there. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Uh, Hopefully there won't be any new omnibus legislation to discuss next week. Fingers crossed. Not a guarantee. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. That's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to us at our website, opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire, and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can listen to this show again. Uh, by downloading it from our website every Monday through the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or on your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can reach me in my root cellar on Facebook at Scotty Hertz. <laughs> also on Twitter, Scotty Hertz. And if you're listening to us on the FM right now, stay tuned for Turtle Island Underground. Yes, stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for more great programming coming up all day, every day here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Open Sources. And we will see you then. <laughs>